0: Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Miller's Law, a veteran-founded and run law firm. Miller's Law is giving back to the community that gives so much by making an incredible special offer to our listeners. For the next 30 days, Miller's Law is offering veterans and first responders a family will and power of attorney for only $299, typically a whale in POA can cost over two thousand bucks. That's a seventeen hundred dollar savings. This offer is a meaningful way to say thank you for your service for all veterans and first responders. To take advantage of this amazing gift, don't wait. Go to millerslaw.com, M I L L A R S law.com, or email them at info at millerslaw.com if you prefer to phone you can call toll free one 855 5547 that's one 855 don't delay do it today And we are rolling live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and so many other wonderful places, later to be broadcast on all of the podcast channels. Joel Forrester, thank you so much for being here with me, brother.
1: Mark, honestly, thank, my, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's uh, an important topic. Today, we're going to be talking about people that are getting out and transitioning into civilian life and what that looks like. Yeah. The number one thing I hear, and probably the best place for us to start, is the idea, especially those in combat arms, that they don't think they have any transferable skills. That's I hear this all the time. Uh, what would you say to
1: them? I would say, stop, stop, <laughs> and let's talk, because you'd not be further from from being right. You know, honestly. guys and girls from frontline ops, from from whatever, you know, infantry or whatever battalion they're working in. The value that they've got purely from from passing basic training and getting up to their unit is incredibly valuable in every walk of, of society from a work perspective industry. Absolutely valuable from the leadership, from your mindset, from your core values that you believe in to just getting the task done and being mission focused. That in itself, the core values, you you can't just give to someone like that. You've either got it or you don't.
0: That's true. Let's talk. What are some of those core values from your perspective?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So, so I mean, the, the vast majority of military people I know from from across the pond, over in the states or in the UK, it's things like integrity, it's things like work ethic, it's things like um, you know buddy buddy system, teamwork. You know those those three things alone, and then the final one really being mission focused. This is my yeah. objective. There's nothing that's going to push me off this track. That, you, you can't buy that. There's no money that you can pay someone to have that or not have that. Do you know what I mean?
0: That mission oriented, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones because there are no excuses. And uh, because it's get your job done or people die. So, <laughs> you know, so you <laughs> find, you just find a bloody way to get it done. And that is not a mentality that you can find elsewhere.
1: Mm absolutely I, I I couldn't agree more you know and, and from, from whether you're on a training exercise about to deploy or whether you're on ops already in wherever you are in the world you stay on task you know and the sole objective is the success of the objective um, and and when you have a group of people all aligned to that the outcome's normally very very positive
0: well it can be but those exact same driving factors that separate us uh, are the exact same driving factors that can cause conflict in the workplace.
1: They can, I, I guess, from like an overzealous perspective. You know, the, the one the one common uh, conversation I have with a lot of clients, a lot a lot of companies that I speak to when they're really keen on bringing vets into work, a lot of it is. How do we integrate them? You know, we're, we're one thing we really don't want is, you know, that Sergeant Major stamp party is coming, screaming and shouting, give us 20 press-ups. They're not looking for that. But that that's a real, that's a borderline unconscious bias to expect that they think that veterans coming from the forces are just going to come into that workplace and be like that. And part of my role really from a work perspective is to educate companies and say that's not what people are going to do. If you think that they're going to do that, then – you need some education here on, on on the fact that that's not going to be the case.
0: What about the uh, the challenge of rank? Because, I mean, there is a difference in mentality and demeanor between commissioned and non-commissioned, between uh, senior NCOs and junior NCOs. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's just sort of a different vibe <laughs> in, yeah. in, in all those different ways. So how does that factor in when it comes to uh, matching them up or preparing them for the civilian world?
1: I would say, from, from obviously, that where, where I cross paths with, with with vets are more around a work, looking for employment, stuff like that. So I wouldn't say rank really has a, a massive part to play. Um, it, you know, you you could argue that, that certain ranks are used to communicating um, top-level strategies, right, from when it comes to, um, you know, the top-end uh, decision-making threat assessment piece. And you've got guys and girls on the ground and the front line who are all about mission focus in the thick of contact you know passing um, critical messages so so there's two different fields of i i would say communication piece there so I, i'd say potentially from a communication element there could be some upskilling but for the way we see it it's more about upskilling and giving people training and guidance to bring them up to I i don't think it's it's fair to say that role is purely for officer that role is purely for non-officer That that i think is a a bit of a draconian way of looking at it. I would say that people nowadays from society and veterans coming into that space should have the equality and the, and the capability to do whatever role they want, so long as they're willing to work towards it. And that's really our ethos at EMC.
0: I guess I'm more asking from an ego perspective because what I've seen is um let's start with senior NCOs before I pick on officers too much. Uh, But say a senior NCO who's fresh out is used to being in charge of at least a hundred people at any given time, significant responsibility. uh, And they're, they're looking for, for something similar on the other side. And that doesn't always happen. (laughs) And, uh, and I have seen ego get in the way like, don't you know who I am and what I can do? And why why aren't I the boss? Like, automatically. Yeah. And then on the commission side, it's the same again, but it's also, they don't want to seem to get their hands dirty. And the uh, the nose-in-the-air commission types, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's just true. <laughs> uh, and uh, But the nose-in-the-air commission types, but they're not all yeah. like that, but there's a good chunk that are. Um, yeah. and, and that is... Even more so with um, uh, English officers in the UK yeah. than it is in Canada, and okay. you know uh, that's that's just how it is. <laughs> so yeah. is, is that taking into account? Is is there like a psychology bit, or is it just like here's the job, away you go? Or do you also help them with the psychology of transition?
1: So we we, we run an ambassador scheme, right? And and that that is we align um, certain consultants who have got experience with veterans over a number of years and we align them to people fresh out of the military. Okay. And, and their sole role is to help that transition. Now you would have experienced it. I experienced it. When I came out of the forces, I went through a process of, of identity loss, Mm -hmm. identity crisis. Who the hell am I? What am I now? Well, what is my purpose in life? All the way to that kind of um, self doubt. So, Oh my God, all I know is, you know jumping out of planes and dropping in and 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 taking out different cells that that's all i knew for you know many 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 years and who is this new joel in this new space and the process we try to take people on is okay you were an officer you're now not you've chosen to step into the civilian world, or you've come to the end of your tenure within the military, you've retired, you're now in the civilian space, you have to really accept and understand what this civilian space looks like. And it's all about that mindset transition and really helping them in an informative way, but in a caring way that this transition needs to happen. And this is how they need to start functioning in the civilian space. So that isn't such a, a real rude awakening. There's some people that really fought against that, and it's very much. You know, I was a commanding officer of this battalion. I've done this <laughs> many tours. Da 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 da. Well, you're don't a bit you of a know nobody. who
0: you're talking to?
1: Yeah, and and you're now a bit of a nobody. Sadly, <laughs> You know, everyone's proud of your background and you've done so well. Yeah. However, you you've chosen to come into this space. This is how it works, and and our whole role is to really try and make that as painless as possible when
0: they choose what are some of the key factors about that like if you're going to talk to somebody and say look you're a little bit high on your horse and uh and understandable you had a wonderful career and yeah that, Yeah. that, that that's beautiful you you're a fucking legend brother you're a legend but the legend was yesterday
1: yeah you know yeah.
0: uh know. what are what are some of the factors like um that-
1: really open honest conversation like doesn't matter whether you know like like you're you're over in canada or whether someone's in you know in Texas or whatever we from the veteran community we we our brains work in similar ways right that's why no matter what service you you served in you know we will have a connection if you're a military man or a lady or I'm a military man or a lady we will have some kind of very unspoken, strange connection because our values are the same, right? And that means we should be able to have a really honest but caring and and, and considerate conversation where I, I should be able to say to you, listen, Mark, you, you need to kind of come down a little bit here. I get why you, I get why it's happening, and this is a massive part of your process, but you need to understand coming into this space, it's not reflective of where you've been and you need to transition and find a little bit of a new you who can operate and function successfully in this space. It's all about the communication piece.
0: Now, this show is primarily about trauma recovery and hmm. and, and, and how to do that. Is there a piece of that that is a part of the fabric of, of, of what you do? Do you, um, Because where I'm going with this is most people, the symptoms don't show up until later. Um, and I know how to spot somebody who's using coping mechanisms, you know, and they think, well, you know, like the gallows humor is a great example, you know, uh, the super, super dark humor, what happens. And sometimes it's 30 years later. Sometimes it's six months later that gallows humor wears off and they, and people are actually horrified that, Oh my God, did I actually find that funny? (laughs) Oh my God, that's horrible. And uh, because that coping mechanism starts to wear off. Yeah. So uh, things like that, are are these, um, are you pre- preparing people? It's like, by the way, uh, here's some of the signs and symptoms of PTSD that, yeah, uh, that you might want to be aware of.
1: Yeah, so we're heavily connected to a number of different military charities. And, and when the consultants who are trained in just, I guess, generally talking with these veterans, when they start noticing something or, or normally if there's a bit of, if there's pushback against um, a well-known, you know, so say, say for example, let's use that analogy you just had there. Someone who, you know, look at me, look what I did, da, 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 da. And they're not willing to even open their brains a little bit to coming around to this is a different space now. There is normally a trigger why. There is always, always, always some something going on, with it psychologically or, or in their life at that moment, that they're struggling with and normally when you address that that opens up other doors to different things and sure, some people are, are are not affected by by ptsd or any form of other trauma and some people are you know really suffering on on a you know really traumatic scale and it's about so so i guess what we do is we then refer people to They're right different charities who can then help with that kind of stuff we keep them on our books we keep working with them we keep giving them that that kind of um, workplace career guidance and really support them through the transition and interestingly we we start working with people from week one day one when they've left the military all the way to the day they retire in the civilian world so we are that network we are that community that support network for the entirety so no veteran should ever be alone ever through
0: this piece is that an actual workshop that you do with them though of of awareness like this is these are the types of symptoms to be watching for and this is what might happen and and you might and if you experience this kind of experience in the workplace well there's probably a reason for that um so so is that is is that part of the program? I guess is what I'm it's asking.
1: Not, so, so our our consultants aren't trained to deliver that kind of stuff. They're All trained right. to identify, and then we put we put the the consultants would certainly direct them to me, and then I could if if there's someone who is really struggling, um, and they wanted that kind of veteran to veteran straight chat, then then that's where I would take over, or we would direct them to the right kind of charitable piece to make sure the support they're getting for, to really address a problem is is professional, it's from the right people, it's trained, it's qualified, as opposed to a buddy-buddy system I'm here to support. I can give them all the guidance in the world from my, my experience and the experience that I've seen from my many years doing this role. However, when it comes to needing intervention, because there's a real problem, we would prefer hand that to, to the qualified professionals. Well,
0: most people go undiagnosed for a god-awful long time. I was undiagnosed for 23 years. That's a long time to have a train wreck because what happens is that um, y- you don't want to admit that you're injured. Yeah. And a big piece of that is self-awareness. So when right. I was getting out of the military back in the dark ages, um, right. the, the dark 90s, when, um, if there was so, some sort of out program, some sort of transition program that says, look, uh, I'm sure you're fine because we're all fine. We're all fine. Uh, so I'm sure you're fine. But th- this is what um, you may experience. And this is what it looks like. Now, if those seeds were planted in my head, I would have not gone 23 years uh, yeah. undiagnosed but those programs didn't even think of existing back then. So I guess yeah. that that's what I'm asking. If it doesn't exist right now, Joel um, I can <laughs> after 161 episodes, I could tell you uh, <laughs> it's needed because um, if that self-awareness piece isn't there, people are just not going to connect the dots. What they do is they internalize And they figure all this conflict I'm having, uh, everywhere I go, I'm the odd man out. I'm the sore thumb sticking out. Uh, I seem to be the black sheep. Uh, What tends to happen is the finger comes out and they're pointing at everybody else. You're the Mm. asshole. Boy, these civilians are just a bunch of assholes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, never realizing this, like, oh, it's me. I'm the asshole. (laughs) It's me that has to convert to them, not the other way around.
1: But the thing with it is, though, and, and a massive part of why we've been so successful is because the message we've been putting out is that we want people to come to us who are willing to take their, the responsibility as well. So we we are here to help them. We can provide them access, whether they're in the US, whether they in the UK. We can provide them access to careers. We can provide them access to strategies on how to create an incredible career. We can get them into companies that they might not have had opportunities with before, however there's an there's the expectation from the other side that if there's some struggles then then to be honest with us and let us help them through that process like there's questions that my consultants will ask them throughout the the entirety of, of their working relationship just to just to check how they're doing psychologically and the big thing really for us is that they need to be ready and okay to open up but coming back to right at the beginning of the problem which when you leave the military this isn't in place. That this kind of um, onboarding into the civilian world isn't there, right? And that's where we're trying to bridge that gap. We're trying to bridge that gap to say to veterans coming in, Do you know what? You might be fine. And in 10 years' time, you might be sat there one day and you might not be fine. But this is what that not be fine could look like. And this is the processes to get through that. This is how you support that. But then on the flip side, Mark, what we're really, what I'm really, really kind of punching and pushing to make sure happens is that companies, when they hire veterans, they then have the autonomy and they have the capability internally to make sure they are also looking for some of these triggers, that they are also creating support mechanisms to make sure if a veteran comes to them with a potential problem, they understand how to work with that. They understand how to help that, where to guide these people to, what support processes to put in place. So it's not just coming from one side. And this is the beauty of what we do, I feel, is that it's it's you've got an organization like us who are supporting and educating. We are educating the clients who are supporting top down. And then we, we bring the veterans into the workplace and then they've got support from all angles. And that really is the big key.
0: Who are some of the biggest employers uh, that you work with? Who likes to gobble up the veterans? Uh,
1: (laughs) There's so many. We we work with over 900 different clients across the US and the UK. So to turn around and say, uh, this is number one, I don't think would be fair to our clients. However, (laughs) if we go industry, if we go industry, I'd say finance industry, tech industry is just off the chain.
0: Let's start with finance. What would that look
1: like? As in what what companies or what are they doing? So yeah, companies. what are they doing
0: in the finance yeah. industry? That's that uh, catches me off guard.
1: Yeah, cool. Okay, so they're creating um, like veteran uh, programs specific for veterans. So say veteran A comes to them, and they've got a you know some leadership background uh, between them and us. We can train veteran A in in. I don't know a financial analyst or whatever. They can go onto a program and get trained up, and then then company A in the financial industry will then take that person, that veteran, on, and then bring them into their workforce. So, so they've got veteran-specific programs where they try and bring a quota of their workforce through the veteran pillar.
0: Not sure I'm following. So, like when we're talking finance, are we talking about like financial
1: advisors? So no, we're talking, we're talking, what are we talking, we're talking banks, we're talking uh, private equity companies, we're talking investment firms, we're talking uh, anyone in that financial sector, anyone at all. And when you're talking tech, you're talking, you know, different technology firms, so data analysts, um, senior architects in that that data world. So a lot of these big companies are creating internal veteran programs. So a veteran could apply to company A and say, I'm a veteran, I'd love to get into this space, this is my credentials, let's have a conversation. Company A would then in theory like sponsor that veteran to train them and then bring them into the workforce as an employee.
0: So are our combat arms veterans also going into finance and tech?
1: Every sector. There is no really? bias. Tech. yeah 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 even if they've got no qualifications as long as they can hold a conversation <laughs> and as long as they've got a little bit of a little bit of something about them that they can you know sell themselves a little bit they've got a bit of a bit, you know a bit of punch about them, um then these companies are seeing this as 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 the personality and the core values you can't change the personality that you know if you can go to any person
0: so there, not- that's the old saying then is uh, higher character not uh, not skill train train yeah. skill higher for character
1: amen exactly that and and some of the big boys and girls company-wise across london new york massachusetts boston whatever even in like life science um industries as well um they they are massive on the veteran community
0: well it makes sense i know uh, a few that ended up being lawyers after and uh w- what i tend to find though and it goes back to what we were uh, what I was talking about earlier is a lot of people that get out and I I'm, I'm biased because I was infantry but um, a lot of combat arms types they they get out they find that they don't fit they're a square peg in a round hole so they that clash um, with with the civilian world becomes too uncomfortable, and they're like screw it, they and and they just uh, isolate themselves by becoming yeah. truck drivers. There is a yeah. pile of us that are driving truck drivers that are yeah. driving trucks or lorries in your neck of the woods, yeah. and yeah. Um, uh, either that or they or I see a lot of entrepreneurism, uh, mm-hmm. uh, people uh, becoming uh, starting their own business. Now, yeah. uh, do you support entrepreneurism as well in any way?
1: Um, we don't really have connections into the entrepreneurial world. Okay. And so I pre- would presume what an entrepreneur would need would be access to uh, training, to this, that, and the other, where, where we connect the dots. We connect the veteran, so candidate A, person A, to company B. So we're a connector of people when it comes to an entrepreneur, they're looking for the general public or certain industries to sell into. I, I would presume, but when it comes to an entrepreneur, we don't really do much with entrepreneurs. However, that doesn't mean that in the future we wouldn't consider it. If there was something we could do to support that, that vertical, Um, then we would hundred percent get behind it.
0: There's a fella in Calgary here named Dave Howard, a spectacular fella. Um, he's one of these civilian types that, for whatever reason, has just taken a shine to the military community and has done so much. He's created, uh, so far, two...
1: Uh,
0: you, you, your, your computer's going nuts there. I'm hearing all, all right. of
1: that. <laughs> <I apologize. laughs>
0: but um, uh, he, he's created two veterans villages that are both up and going for uh, people that uh, are on the other side of it, that careers didn't work out and they've ended up uh, really struggling and and are uh, facing homelessness. And uh, he's also doing uh, boot camps for entrepreneurs. He's a very successful entrepreneur himself. And uh, so those, that would be a potential resource if you ever wanted to add that to the toolbox um, is to talk to Dave Howard or, you know, I'll, I'll, I can make that connection for you to see yeah, what yeah. what what it is that they're doing.
1: Absolutely, that'd be great to learn more about what what he's up to there. Absolutely, I mean the the interesting thing that that we found when when people come out of the forces and they're making that decision of right, do I go entrepreneur? Do I go into standard work? Do I go and be a lorry driver? Whatever I do, the biggest and the most common theme, and I'm sure you'd have found this on the many people you've spoken to, is is that they just don't know how to to Translate what they've done, and I guess we mentioned it right at the beginning, what they've done. But then, how does that relate to a civilian space? And that is the biggest stumbling block. And actually, when someone is able to navigate that, then they they see doors opening, and that's where our consultants really do support veterans and say, okay, okay, so you've been in the infantry, you were a corporal, you have done this, you've done that tour, you've done the other, you've done this training, that training, whatever. Let's look at what you can be. Well, let's look at what you can do. So you've got great communication. You've got leadership. You've got kind of resilience work. You've got this, that, and the other. Then we can spin that and say, okay, we'll then approach client A and say, right, we've got we've got this guy, Mark. He's done all of this. He's a great leader. He's He's been tried and tested on operations. He's looking for an opportunity. Do you have something you would offer him? And nine times no, out of no, ten. No, keep it
0: coming. I was enjoying that. <laughs> tell, tell me more wonderful things. <laughs>
1: So successful, got an incredible podcast. Yeah, <laughs> rocking it. Yeah. So, so then nine times out of ten, when we speak to a company, that they, they are they're eager. Not only are they they don't just say yes, they say yeah, we'd love to, and we'd love as many as you can bring to the table. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, cool. Well, well the problem we have is that go back to our background. So I was infantry, right in the UK. Your infantry over your way.
0: Which uh, which which regiment were you?
1: I was in the parachute regiment. Okay. As Art- I served in the Perthy regiment, and then I left and got into, counter, they got into counterterrorism as a operational firearms commander um, here in the UK. So, running around London, taking on God knows what, had a team across London as well. So it was it was good fun. <laughs> and then I decided that uh, that 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 life of mine was done.
0: Well, I got a question. Fine. I got an army question for you. Um, okay. Our our sister regiment is or was the Royal Green Jackets. Now
1: they they, oh, yeah. they
0: changed they've changed their name, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they've gone to the Rifles.
0: Okay, so they have. So what are they called now?
1: The Rifles.
0: Just called the Rifles, that's
1: it. Yeah, so you've got like three, I believe it's three different battalions. You've got one rifle, two rifles, and three rifles. But they once upon a time, uh, they merged with a couple of other battalions. So it was Royal Green Jackets and a couple of others. Um, and they, they, they turned into the Rifles. That's that's the name of the battalion.
0: All right, that's who we used to do um, officer exchanges
1: with. Oh, right. So
0: Interesting. We, we'd we kick one across the pond and they'd send one over to us and, and we'd swap and uh, oh, nice. even, even in country. So when, uh, when I was in Croatia, uh, we, we had a Brit officer with me. He was actually, a, he was a decent dude. He was all right.
1: What rank was he?
0: Oh, was he a Louis? Probably a captain.
1: Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so he'd be, Working his way to his major, looking for his next post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they do. So, um, so yeah, no, it's it's. Um, I, I, d- I did an exchange with uh, uh, the US Airborne once. Was it? They they came over to us. We had a we had a company um without our barracks in Colchester. Um, and they were they were good guys. I didn't do much with the. Can- in fact, no, I tell you where I crossed paths with the Canadian Canadian guys was um, in Kabul. Was it in Kabul or was it in Baghdad? I think it was in Kabul. That there was um we used to use your uh, internet cafe.
0: Oh <laughs> we'd come in
1: yeah, we'd come in and get your free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and we'd be chatting away to home. So, yeah, before we'd fly, fly home on R and R from Kabul. Uh,
0: but not a lot of interactions with us other than that?
1: No, not really. No. no. So, so um, I did uh, Telic. Te- so we we have obviously operational names. Uh, when when you when you go as well, I'm sure you guys do as well. So we had uh, Iraq was called Telic Operation Telic. So I did Telic. So that was 2006 to 2007, and then I did Herrick Eight, which was 2000 and, um, early 2008 to December 2008. Um that was that was in out where we were there Sangin in Afghan. And then on in Iraq we were in a place called Asamawa, South, South Iraq. So we'd fly into Basra, then we'd get the Chinooks down to, to um Asamawa. So it was a bit off grid down there to be fair. A bit middle of nowhere. <laughs>
0: For uh, com, you're in the U.S. and the U.K. Are you uh, looking to expand your scope of operations? Are you coming into Canada and other Commonwealth we're in nations? in
1: Canada. You are yeah, in Canada. Yeah, we are. So we're, we're working with um, a couple of defense companies up in up in Canada, um, and they, they work with uh, – they look for technical engineers – a couple for aircraft engineers as well. Um, they're the only contracts we have um, over in Canada, but we're looking to grow that, grow our community, grow our audience. So, you know, anyone listening in, jump over to our site, sign up, get get your information with us, um, and, and there'll be more roles coming in left, right, and center. We'll see how we can get some of your fantastic followers into some decent decent jobs.
0: Well, and I hope that, uh, you know what, we're going to talk off here. i got an idea. But cool. I, I think we're both there. Um, any, any closing words, Joel?
1: No, just listen. Th- thanks for what you do. Like like your your podcast in you know, Operation Tango Romeo, like what a cool, cool place, uh, you know, and, and not many times do people like us sit down there and think about the impact we're doing. So I think I really hope you take stock of the impact and, and the amount of people you'll have, you know, even one person being affected in a positive way by what you're doing and the message you're sharing is 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 a beautiful thing. So well done, mate.
0: Thanks brother. I appreciate it. Please stay on the line. You're listening to operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders and their families.